I think that is key, that we've evolved to recognize that while charity and charitable causes are of importance, that we also have to be philanthropic or more strategic in investing in structural changes, how we address the issues that are plaguing our community today. This month on Ebb and Flow, we are discussing the concept of the Community Foundation and how these organizations can help the charitably inclined put their resources to work for the benefit of communities around the country. Our guests are Jay Williams and Deborah Rothstein, the President and Vice President for Development for the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, one of the oldest and largest community foundations in America. We asked Jay and Deborah to share their own remarkable stories, but also to explain what makes the community foundation model so impactful, what draws individual donors, family foundations, and corporations to this approach, and what progress organizations like HFPG are making toward addressing major issues like structural racism in the Hartford community and beyond. So whether your philanthropy is in the form of the occasional check to a local charity through a donor-advised fund, or perhaps via a family foundation, I believe you'll find some real value in this 30-minute discussion. I'm Paul Leeming, and welcome to this month's edition of Ebb and Flow. Jay Williams, Deborah Rothstein, thank you so much for being on the Ebb and Flow podcast. We appreciate you being here. Glad to be here with you, Paul. Good. Glad to be here. Great. Well, it's it's. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. And full disclosure, I I will mention that my partner and our friend Andrew Worthington has a long association with the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, and and you know we don't want to hide that fact. He's proud of it, as are we. And he was thrilled that we're going to have this conversation and tell our listeners a little bit about the great work that you are doing. But why don't we start with a question about your respective backgrounds, Jay and Deborah? In short, what was your path professionally and personally to your roles here at the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, and what specifically drew you to this work? Ladies first. Sure, Paul. My journey to community foundation work was certainly an unexpected one. Back in the day, there were no degrees in nonprofit management or community foundation work, but I came to a place where I couldn't be happier. I started out as a clinician, actually, after receiving my master's degree in clinical psych. I worked as a therapist focusing on issues about, for women and children. Through that process, I also became involved in some of the legal aspects of for the protection of women and families. I'd often accompany women to get restraining orders or find shelter for children at risk and that work ended up really changing my professional trajectory. Hmm. I ended up deciding to pursue a degree in law with the hope of one day working for a nonprofit organization. And I ended up coming to Connecticut to attend UConn Law School. Sure. And right after graduation, I was approached by a friend who happens to be an attorney who was running the Jewish Community Foundation. And she asked me if I wanted to spend a year or so learning the ropes and the work of community foundations to see if I liked it. So I jumped at that opportunity, not sure that I'd stay any length of time or whether I'd end up practicing law, but I did stay and quickly found out how much I loved the work. I stayed with the Jewish Community Foundation for 16 years <laughs> because I was always reinventing myself and learning different aspects of the work. 
and then had the opportunity to come to the Hartford Foundation in 2014, where I have been ever since. And really this work, I I feel so privileged to be able to do this work because I've met so many caring individuals, donors, prospects, nonprofits, businesses with charitable intention, and I work to help them fulfill their philanthropic goals for today and tomorrow. There's really nothing better. So that is my story. Well, it's it's a good one, and it's it's always so nice to hear someone who has clearly found a vocation about which they are passionate. And such an unlikely marriage of therapy and law, you don't hear about that too often, but they seem to have come together in a, in a great way here. So that's a great story, Deborah. Jay, same question to you. What brought you into into this role, into this into this line of work? Well, like Deborah, my professional path uh, that led me here was not planned. Or expected. I started off my career in banking, mm-hmm. literally as a part-time job on a teller line while I was in college. That evolved into being offered an opportunity to go through the management training program. And at that point, I switched my major from engineering to business administration because they offered also to assist with my tuition if I was a business major. So that at 19 or 20 years old was very appealing. Yes. So I ended up going through the management training program, ended up moving up through the ranks of banking and running a mortgage division and helping people who were engaged in first-time home buying. And it was particularly appealing to me because I was helping people purchase homes in the neighborhoods that I grew up in, which was very uncommon for homeownership opportunities, particularly in the African-American community. Hmm. I did that for a few years, and then I decided to take a job with the Federal Reserve System and became a commercial bank examiner. And I did that with the hopes of being able to advance my banking career a little more rapidly because one of the things that I realized or learned about community banking that if you waited around long enough, there were opportunities. But again, I was young and and impatient. So the Federal Reserve provided me an opportunity to go back into banking and move up through the ranks at another local bank. Those two local banks ultimately merged and I was running and in charge of the mortgage division. Did that until banking then evolved away from what I thought was community banking, which was gratifying to me, and more to the commercial bank, automated underwriting. And as it would happen, I saw a position with the city of Youngstown, and the mayor was looking to hire a community development director. That seemed exceptionally appealing because, again, being from and living in Youngstown, Ohio, the opportunity to work for the city, to be involved in community and economic development, had a certain appeal. So I was offered that position and worked in that regard and learned a lot about planning and zoning and community and economic development and was involved in a a visioning and planning initiative for the city of Youngstown that ultimately got national and international attention because we were a city that had undergone significant and seismic economic shifts, upheaval Hmm. from a manufacturing powerhouse that was growing rapidly to one of the cities that really was the poster child for the deindustrialization yeah. of the country or, or the poster child for the Rust Belt. So to be a part of trying to re-envision or reimagine that your hometown was something that was of great interest to me. That then led to me deciding to throw my hat into the ring to be mayor of Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> when uh, the current mayor was termed out. I had never held political office, did not imagine that I would hold political office, although I was interested in politics in general. So I I ran as an independent candidate, and I was elected as the youngest and the first African-American mayor in the city of Youngstown's history at 34 years old and went on to serve a full term under really decided that the essence of which was to now try to operationalize the vision 
that was a part of why I went to work for the city. I was elected to a second term. And in my second year of that second term, I was offered a position in the Obama administration to really do on a national level what we had been trying to do in Youngstown. And that was really to figure out how to reinvest and reimagine what were then called legacy cities like Flint, Michigan and Detroit and mm. And so many other these cities that, that that once held such great promise, that still held great promise, but that had suffered. So I joined the administration, ran the auto recovery office during the restructuring of GM and Chrysler. I had a portfolio of communities across the country. I spent a year in the White House doing intergovernmental affairs for President Obama. And then my final three years, I was nominated and confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce. So I ran the Economic Development Administration which again was focused on economic development, both in rural and urban areas. But ironically, that also brought me to Hartford on a couple of occasions. And while I had been to Hartford before, I had not really come to fully appreciate the challenges and the opportunities. When the administration ended, my wife and I decided that we were perhaps going to go back to Ohio. I looked at the gubernatorial race. I looked at a few other opportunities. And as it would happen, the Hartford Foundation Board of Directors was going through a search for its next CEO. Mm-hmm. I was uh, contacted by the executive recruiter, and, and we talked about the position. And what was appealing to me, exceptionally appealing, was that the organization was at an inflection point, had a great history, but the board was also very clear about the next phase of the foundation being more proximate, more impactful, more relevant. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my career arc, there was a lot of intersectionality with philanthropy. And when I thought about the opportunity to bring my community development my banking, my economic development and public service together, this seemed like just such a, a perfect opportunity. And I'm so pleased that the board selected me and, and even more pleased that I get to work with people like Deborah and the executive team and the staff that are here at the Hartford Foundation. Wow. What a story, both of you. And Jay, we may have you back on just to talk about your time in the Obama administration or your time as a, a first-time serving in public office as mayor of a, of a city. It's, it's amazing. But we'll stick to the focus of, of today's conversation, which is, of course, sure. community foundations. And, and so, Jay, let me stick with you for a minute and ask that, you know, for those who, who may not be fully versed on the concept of a community foundation, I wonder if you'd describe the setup and the approach of organizations like this one. What makes this work as a structure? Sure. In a nutshell, Community Foundation is a charitable corporation organized under the Internal Revenue Service Code. We are an organization that is geographically based, and we are established to be able to accept contributions or donations from people largely within a region, but the donations can come from anywhere, to invest those resources in a responsible way, uh, in a way that both looks toward keeping those resources available in perpetuity, or at least the interest from those resources or the earnings, mm-hmm. but also in a way that allows us to draw on those resources to invest them in nonprofit organizations and in charitable and philanthropic causes across the community. What makes it work is the trust and the credibility that the organization holds by way of its donors, the relationship it has with nonprofit organizations across the territory it serves, and we happen to serve 29 towns, the community foundations, some serve larger areas, some serve smaller areas. We happen to be in that that area of serving the greater Hartford region. But what also makes it work is the knowledge and the understanding of the charitable aspirations and inclinations of donors and Deborah and her team. Nobody does that better. And then on the other side is the knowledge and the relationship 
of organizations and opportunities. And we have our community impact division that does that. And they are the team that help get the money out of the door. So I think it's really, if you add that up, that's why it works and, and really so pleased to be a part of, of this organization and, and, and engage in that activity. So Deborah, in terms of how I'm kind of putting myself in the, in the heads of our listeners right now, many of whom are active in, in philanthropy, but in terms of how charitably minded individuals interact with the Hartford Foundation, if I'm an individual who is charitably inclined and maybe has a donor advised fund, or if I'm a family foundation with evolving charitable goals, what are the benefits to me in working with a community foundation? There are many reasons why donors choose to work with a community foundation like the Hartford Foundation. Jay had mentioned trust and credibility as right. qualities that community foundations have, and that is certainly a big part of it. Donor intention is really paramount. So donors can be assured that their charitable goals will be carried out for today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But operationally, what sets a community foundation apart is how we work with donors. It's a very personal approach, tailored to a donor's needs, very responsive, and we offer a lot of flexibility to donors and what they want to support. We don't We don't represent any one organization or charitable cause. We're really here to help donors fulfill their philanthropy. So, for example, at the Hartford Foundation, anybody who creates a fund is assigned a staff liaison with whom they would work, where they can get guidance on grant making or gifting decisions or just information about community needs. So it's very personal. But other entities can offer, you know, the transactional piece often, but we can do that and more. A donor at a community foundation can really choose his or her level of involvement. And I think that's what makes the community foundation work very different. Again, as Jay described, we have very deep roots in the community. So donors really rely on our knowledge of the community, the local and regional philanthropic resources. We are at the table for philanthropic discussions around our region, around the state, and we know what's happening nationally around different charitable issues, and we share that with our donors. We also bring our donors together. For those who want to learn together about a particular area or interest, we offer educational sessions and I think the other piece that really stands out is the expertise we have in charitable gift planning Mm. so that we can work with donors and help them through the legal aspects, the technical complexities of charitable giving, and coordinate with their advisors to make a a seamless process for them and how they set what assets they, they bring to the table. Hmm. It makes it makes a lot of sense, interesting, and, and a lot of value added to what can be a pretty complex endeavor to give money away, as easy as it sounds. Jay, I'm going to come back to you. Your foundation is is obviously, as you've said, based here in Hartford today and has a long and rich history in this community. I, I believe you're 100 years old, and I suspect Hartford was a very different place 100 years ago than it is today. Can you talk about that history and the evolution of your relationship with this community and and how you've grown to be one of the top 30 community foundations, I understand, in the country in terms of assets? 
Certainly. We, we are nearly 100 years old. We will celebrate our centennial in the year 2025. And you are absolutely correct that Hartford was a much different place 100 years ago than it is today. And I say that, that Hartford has been known and continues to be known as a financial services capital, but even more so perhaps 100 years ago and the decades that, that subsequently occurred. Hartford was a place that attracted immigrants from across the globe, had really established itself as a manufacturing powerhouse. And not unlike other cities, Hartford has seen some significant challenges in terms of both the manufacturing, the financial services industry, political and social changes. And this organization does have a long, rich history of which we are exceptionally proud. That being the case, though, we have also had to evolve, both in terms of how proximate we are to the challenges and the opportunities that exist today, Mm -hmm. the changing demographics, questions of how we remain relevant and impactful. And I think that, as I alluded to earlier, that was what was so appealing to be a part of the evolution, to be seen, again, as a relevant, not just a large charitable organization, but as an organization that is flexible, that is nimble, that is dynamic, that is not so risk-averse, that it is unwilling to make investments in structural changes. And I think that is key, that we've evolved to recognize that while charity and charitable causes are of importance, that we also have to be philanthropic or more strategic in investing in structural changes, how we address the issues that are plaguing our community today that keep us from ultimately fulfilling our mission. And that's where we have found ourselves really centered on our strategic commitment of working to dismantle structural racism and increase equitable social and economic mobility. And in doing that, it helps us stay true to that North Star mission that we so much embrace. And with respect to our growth, that has really been a direct result of the generosity of our donors from early, early on, where the Hartford Foundation was one of the few community foundations that early on received significant sums of unrestricted donations and gifts that were invested smartly, that have grown over time with, you know better than any, you and Andrew and and the team, the the, the power of compound interest and investments and diverse investments. And that has grown, and that's why we are able to do the things that we are able to do today. So, Deborah, just to give our listeners some examples of the type of work you guys are doing in this community towards structural change, towards specific causes, I wonder if you could talk a bit about some of the specific projects that you're supporting on behalf of your donors right now. Obviously, can't go through all of them, but a few standouts. Oh, absolutely. Our donors, are they eagerly are, are wanting to give to causes they care about and, and want to solve problems. And when we announced um, our mission and uh, the work we were doing, the priorities that we put forward, our donors wanted to help or find a way to contribute to our effort to dismantle structural racism. And what we did is created a fund called the Action Fund for Racial Justice to capture donor support and involve our donors in this work. We really see this as a partnership with our donors moving forward. So we have the Action Fund was launched last year and continues this year. And through the process, it's not just about the dollars. It's really about learning with us about the inequities in our greater Hartford region and in our state. So two projects come to mind that have been supported through the Action Fund for Racial Justice. One of them is called Youth Violence, 
which is a project of the Center for Children's Advocacy. Mm-hmm. And this project helps young people um, in the Connecticut juvenile justice system or child welfare system learn advocacy skills and learn how to speak up for themselves to secure the services they need to ensure their safety and success. And this has been, I've seen this project in action. It's very powerful, very needed, and I donors have supported this through the Action Fund. Another grant that was made through the Action Fund was to the Farmington Library. And this program was to help the library create a more inclusive organizational culture and to develop programs and services, build collections that are more responsive to the diverse needs of the community, which have been well-received and attended. And I've seen this movement across all the libraries in the state. We also have donors who come together around a specific interest that they're interested in. So, for example, the environment. We have many donors who want to support land trusts and conservation efforts across the state and in their own towns. And those donors have set up their own funds or donated to a charitable fund at the foundation to support the parks and the community gardens that they enjoy every day. So it's really a range of projects that donors support. That's interesting. I was struck by the dynamic that you described, but the educational part of this. It's not just giving and and supporting a cause, but it's also in the process of learning about it, which I think is a pretty neat byproduct of of all of this. As people learn, they become more strategic in their giving. Right. And that's really so fulfilling for them to have that information. I can imagine. I can imagine. So Deborah, sticking with you for a moment, and and Jay, you may want to jump in on this one too, but in reading in my kind of research ahead of this call about some of the, the partnerships that your foundation has fostered towards certain causes, in some cases, even outside of your primary areas of focus and funding, one in particular caught my attention, namely some work you've done with, with Ray and Barbara Dalio. Can you describe that effort? Yeah, I'll start and Jay will certainly jump in. But this is under Jay's leadership. Again, we've really focused on partnerships to solve community problems or address community issues. And these partnerships can be with local foundations, government entities, businesses. But we believe that coming together and leveraging funds will be most powerful. And this, in the recent example that you just cited was an investment of $9.85 million dollars from a partnership between the city of Hartford, Dalio Education, and the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving to support opportunity youth between the ages of 16 and 24 who are currently disengaged from school or work. And the funding is going to allow organizations such as Compass and WOCA, which they can talk about, to provide individualized, trauma-informed, high-touch support to this population. We're very excited to be to be part of this. We are indeed, and, and Deborah described that partnership perfectly. I think one other example of our partnership with Dalio occurred at the early stage of the pandemic, where the city of Hartford, Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, and Dalio Philanthropies uh, got together to invest over $3 million in providing free, high-speed internet access across the city of Hartford. So that was is helping students and others who have not been served by high-speed internet access, which we know is just a basic necessity now in terms of utilities. So that was a second example of, uh, of a partnership with Dalio Philanthropies. 
Amazing. Amazing work. So Jay, obviously some of the issues you're addressing in your work, you know, you mentioned structural racism as an obvious example. These issues exist well beyond the Hartford region. And and as you also mentioned, your mandate is is here in Hartford and the surrounding communities. But are there opportunities for community foundations to transcend their regional boundaries and, and address problems nationally or maybe in partnership and kind of attracting private philanthropy from outside of the Hartford area? Absolutely. Absolutely. How Great question. Work? So yes, first and foremost, first and foremost, we serve the greater Hartford region. But in doing so, as you pointed out, the challenges and the opportunities of this region aren't unique to this region or confined to this region. So the first thing that we've done is, is collaborated and reached out to other community foundations across the state of Connecticut. More specifically, the Community Foundation of Greater New Haven and Fairfield County Community Foundation. We cover 75% of the state's urban areas. Not that we are limited to urban areas. So there's collaboration across the state of Connecticut. There's even collaboration across the country. We are a part of the largest community foundation group in the country. I happen to have just recently chaired the large community foundation conference a couple of months ago, but we want and think that some of the things that are happening here in the greater Hartford region are relevant and thought leaders. And we want to be talked about as one of those organizations that are really transcending these regions in terms of our approach, our relationships, the ability to attract national funding to our region for the benefit of our region. So those are things that are part of our priority set and that we are excited about that I think, to your point, really, while continuing and first and foremost being rooted and committed to this area, allow us to have relationships that transcend the area, but that are always for the benefit of our region. Hmm. It's sort of like, you know, raising the antenna a little higher so that you can broadcast what you're, you know, these problems that exist here, that exist elsewhere, that some of the major philanthropists in this country and the world are, are focused on and and maybe getting them to focus on, on Hartford. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. We could talk about this for, for days, and I hope to, to have you both back to continue the discussion. But for now, just in the interest of time, I, I'm going to wrap up with a last question for each of you, uh, and it's going to be an open-ended one at that. You've given us you know, a great sense for, for the focus, the model, the collaboration. Can you leave us with a final thought or a story that captures the value of this work in your own words and, and jump ball, wh- whoever wants that first, and then we'll, we'll go to the other. I think about particularly the COVID pandemic and the amazing response by our donors, immediate response, calling and asking how they could help financially as well as volunteering. And when we set up the COVID fund in 2020, we just had an amazing, again, response from our donors and private foundations, corporations, many, many community members who came together. And we ended up awarding more than 230 grants, distributing more than $9.6 million into the community. And our donors continue to uh, to give to COVID. And as you can see, their generosity extends to the Action Fund for Racial Justice. I'm so moved by the people in our community in Greater Hartford. For a very small community, the generosity, the caring and commitment is simply outstanding. I did have an experience I can share with you recently about that to me kind of captures our work. A donor reached out to me a few months ago when his wife passed away. And I I had been working with the two of them for many years. And he was thinking about his own mortality and asked if I could help him create a charitable gift plan that would fulfill his ultimate 
very ambitious goal of creating a, and then I wrote it down because I, I'll never forget the words. I want to create a just world where everyone has opportunities. <laughs> and as I was unpacking this for him, trying to to create a fund and identify projects, he said, you know what? I just want this fund to support the foundation's work and dismantling structural racism. What you're doing, the projects you're supporting, this is the first time I found an organization that's really shared my dreams for the community. And, you know, we did, in fact, create that fund. And he said he now feels really confident that his legacy will be carried out. And for me, that was that story says everything about how we work and the generosity of our donors. Yeah, when you quote that sort of mission that he had, I mean, it's a, a very noble, but also a very broad goal and aspiration. And, and you guys clearly gave him some structure to how that could actually be executed. And that seems to be have really resonated. Jay, same question to you. What's a story that stands out, a, a memory sure. that uh, tells the story? I mean, there there are individual stories, but I think what really stands out to me are a series of stories or conversations that I've had and others have had. And, and it goes something like this. When someone or a group says, wow, I never would have imagined that the Hartford Foundation would have been supporting this or involved in this or doing this. Or when people say, boy, this certainly isn't the Hartford Foundation that I remember from 10 or 15 years ago. They're saying that in the sense of, marvel and awe and appreciation and sometimes admonishment like it's about time like this is the community foundation that we've been hoping for or waiting for and when they say that to me it's indicative and validating that yes we are on our journey we have not yet arrived but we have shaken off this notion of a lumbering stodgy unapproachable organization which which again was not a demerit or casting aspersions on the work that we've done in the past, but it is an acknowledgement that the community recognizes that we are changing as the challenges and the opportunity change, that we are being more proximate, more relevant, that we're willing to take risks, that we are less concerned about trying to let the perfect be the enemy of the good and really positioning ourselves as a foundation of the community for the community and by the community. Well, Jay, that's a, a terrific note on which to end. And I, I want to thank you both for your, your time today on behalf of, of my partners, Tom Lips and Andrew Worthington and Ashley Martella, Paula Rose, our, our whole team of 12 here at Long River Wealth Management. Th thank you really for the great work that you're doing for the community at the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. We, we truly appreciate it. And thanks again. Thank you for the platform and the opportunity, the invitation to be a part of this. And just great to be here with you and, and with Deborah. Oh. Thank you. Thank you.